Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Wyndham Garden Lafayette. And by Short and Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Social on Johnson Street in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Professor of Finance and Director of the award-winning Birkin Road Reports, Peter Raschuti. It's business, Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti, sitting in for Aileen Bennett, and welcome to Out to Lunch. There's a pretty good chance that you're listening to this in your car. I'm not sure precisely what that chance is statistically, but I do know there's a 100% chance that at some point you're going to go have to fill the car up with gas. When you do, I know there's also a 90% chance that you won't go into the gas station. Nine out of 10 people get gas, pay at the pump, and drive off, which is something of a tragedy because they don't know what they're missing. Inside the most unassuming looking gas stations across America, there are some fascinating people and believe it or not, some gourmet food. I know what you're thinking. I found it hard to believe too, but I have it on the authority of Al Abair, who lives near the Vermilion River just outside of Abbeville. Al Abair is a nationwide expert on gas station food. He's known as the Gas Station Gourmet. You can find out all about him at gasstationgourmet.com, and you can also meet him right now. He's sitting across the table from me. Al Abair, welcome out to lunch. Peter, thank you so much for having me here. I have been looking forward to this. Now, Al, you have one of the most eccentric business backgrounds, not just in Acadiana, but anywhere. You started out in the sheriff's office, you became a detective, then a hostage negotiator, then looking to do something a little more low-key, you somehow ended up as a TV personality and hosting a cooking segment on the news. One day on assignment that you were doing about a gas station in Crowley, you were so amazed by the awesome food they're making there that you decided to turn gas station food into a lifetime's work. And so the persona and the business of Gas Station Gourmet is born. Of 300 million Americans, nobody else has ever thought of reporting on gourmet gas station food. Whatever it was that clicked in your brain and gave you this idea, it's obviously working out. You've been doing this for years. How do you make a living out of it? Where does the revenue come from? Well, it's really interesting, Peter, and it shows there's hope for anyone, even people like me without talent, (laughs) that uh, I'll uh, find a gas station, uh, eat in it, write a story about it, and then a check comes in the mail. It's an incredible thing. Oh my thing. God, now this is uh, from the sky or? Uh, well, actually I write for the National Association of Convenience Stores magazine, it's called Max Magazine, <laughs> and they are the voice of the 150,000 or so convenience stores in the country. Called in the business, C-Stores, right? <laughs> C-Stores, yep. exactly. Uh, I've written for state magazines. Uh, so, uh, and, and a lot of what I write about is food. Food is always the thing that gets me in, but I also like to write about the business strategy. Not long ago, I was talking to some chamber execs, and just, just casually, and the, the one thing you hear, especially in smaller towns, Walmart kill downtown. And, right. and you know, when I thought about it, by then I'd been doing this for a number of years and interviewing C-Store owners, and, and you know, when you think about the, uh, the competition in the gas station truck stop business if you if you're an individual owner of a store a mom and pop and let's get that straightened out who owns 
the C store? Is it is it Texaco and Chevron, or is it that guy you see in there? It, it's the guy you see in there, okay. and they're branded. The gas is their brand, and sometimes the gas is branded Shell, Texaco, Exxon. Sometimes it's an unbranded gas, you know? But when you see that sign, that's the brand of gas, but the, the, the company doesn't own it. The margin on gasoline is about a penny. So when you're angry like at the guy. Like a, pe a penny a gallon? A couple of cents, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It just depends. The margin on so gas. So when you're mad you're about paying how much, too much for gas, yeah, you shouldn't guy, be blaming that guy behind the counter. The guy inside's sad about it, too. There's not a big margin on gasoline. So what happened with convenience stores is they began to realize that um, they needed to up their game. You know, if you're of a certain age, you may remember convenience stores back in the 70s and early 80s. When you would go in, and, and whoever worked in the store would probably not make eye contact with you. You right. went and bought a bag of chips, a slushy. you got the heck out Honey of there. Honey bun. Honey bun. <laughs> and, and so they began, to, individual owners began to realize that the only way we're going to compete with the big corporate C-stores, you know, uh, like the 7-Elevens, the Wawa's, those guys, we've got to up our game. We have to be different. And so what they decided to do, a lot of them, and it, this was not uh, a coordinated effort. This is like individual, it's what's so fascinating about it. It's individual across the country. And they began to up their game when it comes to food. They began to prepare their own food inside. They began to offer different things. And so customers who would go inside would find something different besides the, the uh, hot dog on the roller sure, grill yeah. or something like that. And so this just really took off. And, and one of the things I didn't know about it until about 10 years ago, we went to this station in Crowley, and it smelled like your grandmother's kitchen on a Sunday. <laughs> and I asked the lady behind the counter, I said, you all cooking here? Oh yeah, well they had roast and rice and gravy and, and, and we had a fabulous meal. And I told my videographer, I said, you know, if there's one or two more places like this in the country, we could have some fun with this. We call it the Gas Station Gourmet, and maybe we can sell some packages. We'll and come you found more than two. Oh my God, Peter, they're everywhere. I found, <laughs> I was doing a medical project in Texas, and I was in a little town, oh, I actually had drive there. I was in a meeting at the hospital, big giant board table, a lot of smart people at the table, and at the end of the meeting I said, hey, does anybody know where there's a gas station that serves, a gas station that serves good food? And uh, they all looked at me like I was crazy, like, well, I've never, I'd never go inside a gas station. And somebody said, well, there's a town called Noonday that's got a big blue Chevron. So I drove all the way to Noonday. When I get there, there's a, a sign, 777 population. So I find this big blue Chevron station. I go inside. And Peter, there's Cornish game hen. There's the oh. most, I mean, there's desserts like, you, like you, you couldn't believe in a place where most people wouldn't stop. So I found the guy who, uh, who was the chef. He was a classically trained chef, trained in California. Really? And his dad, He's gotta be the only guy in his culinary classes at a I gas mean, station, that's pretty he, cool. His dad owned the station, he came back. He says, every day I go out to the farmer's markets and I, and I gather fresh, fresh fruit for the desserts. And it was great food. They, they had so many customers that they had built a little shelf around the station with little chairs so people could eat in there. Now, now think about this. There's only 777 people that live in this town. <laughs> There's really nothing there except the gas station, I think a gun store. So everybody's going somewhere else to work, yet the meal was amazing and it was diverse and, and, and it was incredible. Uh, and that's when the light bulb went off? Well, no, that's, I, it had gone off. I'd already started hanging out <laughs> in gas stations. And, um, but you know, that, that just gives you an idea and, and hopefully your audience will go, well, you know, this place looks like a dump. Let's go inside and see what's in it, you know? <laughs> because that's what I do all the time. And, well, now, and Louisiana must be kind of mecca, right? There's a, a gas station on Interstate 10 called Pito's. And I interviewed Pito's. He's one of the first places I ever interviewed uh, for a story in Nax Magazine. 
and uh, my wife loved his boudin. He told me he makes his boudin from pork roast, but doesn't put what I call exotic meat in it, like, you know, liver, things like that. And it's great boudin. People love it. And it's very different than what you might find here in Cajun country, where you'll find some of the more exotic meats that give it a little bit of a different flavor. And so that's, that's kind of the fun thing with this is, you know, boudin is different, but around the country, um, I, I, one of the things that stunned me is chicken salad. I would never go somewhere and order a chicken salad sandwich. <laughs> oh, you know, it seems dangerous. It right? does. Yeah. I mean, who? I mean, really? My mother used to make those. Why would I go and order that? <laughs> but I walked into this place in um, in Tyler, Texas, right on I twenty, called Texas Best Smokehouse. And when I walked in there, I you know you never know what to expect. Again, this is part of the gas station. Yeah, you yeah. just got to go in. And when I walked through the door, I mean, I don't wear the cap. You know, I'm just some goofy old guy who's, you know. <laughs> the mystery diner. Yeah. That's so And uh, what, the minute I walked in, a guy from behind the counter says, hey, you want to try our jerky? I mean, that's the first thing he said. Well, of course. I so often open a conversation yeah. like that. That's oh, uh, yeah. That's how I met my wife. I mean. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so he, he, I try the jerky, and I'm chatting with him. And I said, you know, what's, what's your most popular sandwich? He said, chicken salad. I'm like, no way. I mean, you're telling me on this interstate, people come here and they order chicken salad. I said, well, what's your favorite sandwich? He said, chicken salad. So I ordered it and it was great. And the reason it was different and great, they make it with smoked chicken, which I'd never had before. And so we came up with this idea of doing this chicken salad tour where I've, I've eaten chicken salad all over the country. The Still, chicken salad tour. That oh my God. Look, there's a place in I've Utah. heard of the Chitlin tour, but this is, uh, this oh, is terrific. Look, but it's, it's a big deal. Chicken salad is huge. One of the, uh, when, I, when I was working for Thrive TV, we did a story on a place called Cormie's in Lake Charles. I don't know if you've ever been mm -hmm, to Lake Charles. Yep. And a guy told me, well, you can't get married in this town without Cormie's chicken salad at your reception. The marriage won't work. Statistically, wow. they prove it statistically. I've often wondered what made a marriage work. and It's the chicken salad. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Abbeville's Al Bear, also known as the Gas Station Gourmet, the nationwide authority on gas station gastronomy. Now, do you have, um, do you have like five stars, four stars? Do you do that kind of thing? You know, I, I, I don't. What I do is we, we have a map on gasstationgourmet.com. If you go to the site, you click on the map, and... Um, you can you 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 hover your mouse over the little uh, hamburger and drink, and it's it, it you know or you can scroll down and there's sometimes a video and pictures of the various stores we've been to and we're still working on it. I've only got 52 up right now, but I really don't rate the stores as much as I rate or, or talk about the owners, uh, the personality of the store and, and the food. Now you said the owners uh, tend to be characters on their own. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I love these people. I, 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 uh, my, one of my favorite, you know, there's a couple of favorites, but there's a, a really interesting guy in, uh, outside of the town across his Arkansas, which I'm not sure has a zip code. Uh, <laughs> and uh, his name is Hushang Nazarali. Great guy. And what nationality would that He's be? He's from Iran. He, okay. Interesting. Too, he, came to, he came to America in the 70s to go to school in Texas. And his mom called and said, don't come home. There's been a revolution. So he's like, man, here I am. Well, you know, I'm My in Texas. My mom just said, don't come home. Yeah. This, is, <laughs> this, is, this is a good reason. And so, um, so he can't go back to his home country. So he buys this little store in Arkansas. And I mean, it's a, it's a small store, uh, but with big flavor and food. And he said the first thing he ate when he came to the country was a cheeseburger. He loves America. He loves the food. And so he took um, Mediterranean spices mixed them with the cheeseburger with with the ground beef and made a terrific hamburger 
But what's interesting about Hoosh, it's called a Hoosh burger. <laughs> what's interesting about Hoosh is he's never given up the freedom fight in his country. So um, he, uh, every year when, uh, when uh, folks from Iran come to the UN or, or something like that, Hoosh will go to New York or Washington to protest. And um, uh, uh, the, uh, it's, it's an organization for the freedom of Iran or something like that. But if you go into Hoosh's store and uh, you start mentioning, he will sit there and talk uh, international politics with you over a cheeseburger or, or over some of the best fried chicken you'll ever have. He must be a folk hero among some people, like truck drivers, for instance. There's some great truck stops. There's a place in Lehigh, Virginia, um, and you walk in this place, and it's like a toy museum. The guy who owns it, he collects those little metal pedal cars. They're hanging from the ceiling and everywhere. It's, it's a great, the kids love it. They've got a huge buffet, a big giant buffet. Uh, Corey Berkstresser is the owner's name. His dad owns it. Uh, he and his dad own it. And, and I met two waitresses, a mother and daughter who've both been there over 20 years. Now that's a long time for a wait staff. So I asked Corey, how do you, how do you retain your employees? He said, I give them the same insurance we have. Now, does that cost money? It does. Yeah. You know, does it pay off in a better employee and, and, and better yep. customer service? Darn right it does. Right. So, you know, when you think about offering, you know, those kind of benefits to your, your wage staff, you're going to keep them, you know? And, and you know, when you, uh, one of the toughest things in this kind of business in a restaurant is, is, is keeping them. You know, there was a guy in Texas who told me um, he's constantly doing contests with his waitresses. It's a gas station, but it's an eat-in gas station, and um, had the most amazing pie I've ever had. But what he does with them is he runs contests, and if they win, they get, like, so many gallons of free gas. But the big thing is, Peter, is if they have a child's game to go to or a family event, he will let them go, in, and if he can't find somebody to work for, he works for them. So they know that they can take care of their family business, you know, if they have to, because he supports them. These are and, things big companies are just figuring out. This yeah, they're uh, yeah and, and, you know, gas stations are doing it. You find a lot of weird things out there, but the thing, you have to be adventurous enough to go into places that you wouldn't normally go now, into. Now, how about this? You, you can't go to every one, so is there something that, that uh, oh, you just kind of tells you that this is going to be worth walking in the door? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot of that is Facebook. I get a lot of that from Facebook. And, uh, you know, you can tell the personality of a gas station or really any business from Facebook. And one of the things I urge people to do, and when I talk about how do you compete, um, you know, I'm always sad when I see that a gas station or really any business has a weak Facebook presence. Because we've gotten to a point now, Peter, where people will look on Facebook before they check a newspaper ad, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the things, I, I've, I put every, a lot of stuff on the Gas Station Gourmet's Facebook page. And, but a lot of gas stations don't. I tell them, take a picture of your food, take a picture of your staff. Yeah. When I talk to groups, I always tell them every single day in your business, something happens that's a Facebook post. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Abbeville's Al Abair, also known as the Gas Station Gourmet, the nationwide authority on gas station gastronomy. There's a great place in, um, in uh, I think it's Glen Ledge, uh, it's maybe New Hampshire. Um, it's a tiny, tiny town. And they, um, it's a seasonal town because they're not, not far from a uh, vacation area. Well, 
there's hardly any business there when it's off season. So what does she do? She gets the locals, our customer of the day, our customer of the week, takes a picture, they get a muffin, a free coffee, and she puts that on Facebook. And I said, well, how do you determine this shit? Well, really, it's just kind of our mood, you know? If it's yeah. slow, you know, we have a customer of the day, several days, but everything goes on there, you know? And, and it's very simple to do, um, but sometimes you need somebody who can tell you what to do, because I hear more people say, well, I don't even fool with that. That's right, you know, I would well, imagine. maybe you need somebody like a 16-year-old kid, say, young person to do you it. Know, who can help you. Um, what about this though, Al? You you mentioned that the margins on gasoline are actually pretty crummy. Uh, how are the margins on food? They can be really good. You know, um, there's a, a a lady a lady up in Pennsylvania introduced me to the cronut. Are you familiar with cronuts? No. Oh my God! I, I, look, a cronut. Is it like a donut? It's a donut cross with a croissant. It's like a donut with sort of a, a croissant texture and a hole in the middle. Really big up in the Northeast. And um, she was going to start baking her own hamburger buns because the margin's better if you bake it yourself. And so, uh, you know, uh, these are all ways they make money. You know, um, there, there are certain things uh, you can make money on. The margins are better. If you can do it yourself, you'll do better. For instance, this place up in Eunice, it's called uh, College Junction Mudbugs. One of the best <laughs> hamburgers in the U.S. I'm working on a story right now, the five best gas station hamburgers. In the country? In the country. Now, how, and, now let's talk about that. You almost stumbled upon this by being assigned a, uh, a story and, and Crowley and such, but what about something you're starting from scratch like this, the best hamburger out there? What, what's... What's the process? Well, for me, you know, I actually, you know, I've kind of, I've talked to people, met the people, eating the hamburger. It's a very tough thing. But uh, what's interesting about hamburgers is they're all different. Everybody who makes a great hamburger has a different way of doing it. So we're used to places like McDonald's making a standard kind of hamburger, but this is venturing out. Yeah, these are people who think outside the box. You know, I think McDonald's serves one hamburger with every 75 seconds. Did you see that? I don't, it's an amazing statistic. People love hamburgers. Um, but what, what they do is they just they figure out their own thing. You know, like this guy up in Eunice, he used to work at McDonald's, has this little station. He said, I know people, people wanted expensive hamburgers. So he developed an expensive $5.99, you know, which is, right. you know, pricey. Right. And, uh, and, and, but he seasons the meat before the patty is made. Place in Florida, you order a hamburger, they grind the meat in front of you, and then they make the patty. You know, uh, you know, Hoosh up in Arkansas, yep. he adds Mediterranean spices and blends them in this way. A guy in Texas told me, oh, the best ham you, you don't season the meat. You know, you don't put a thing on the meat. He said the meat will season itself. All of these are great hamburgers, all done completely different, and, and yet they turn out very well. And, and um, so... Uh, one, one of your favorite expressions I, I've got to find out more about is gas station MBA. Yes. I teach in a business school. This is a division we have not touched on yet. Well, uh, it's, it's new. Um, you know, this goes back to talking to these folks at the chamber about downtown businesses. You can drive in many small towns, downtowns, and there's a lot of empty buildings. And again, a lot of these folks, they have family-owned businesses. They, they, they're maybe the second or third generation owning the business. And, <clears throat> excuse me, Walmart's come to town many years ago, and, and downtown died because of this. And you've got probably a, a cheaper gasoline being offered in front of Walmart. Exactly. Right? But what I, what, I, what I think is that you can, a, a small business can employ some of the same strategies that gas stations use to compete against the corporate giants 
and compete against the Walmarts and the Targets. They simply don't do it, Peter. And the key is, is you have to be willing to be different, to think outside the box. And I learned that in one of my first interviews, a guy named Merle Carmi over in Lake Charles, the guy with the chicken salad, third generation C-Store owner, where his store sits today, the land was cleared with mules and dynamite in the 1930s. And what Merle told me, he said, you know, I said, how does this place stay alive for 80 plus years? Gotta be different. You have, the, you have the things people expect, but always offer something different. And Merle's store burned down, and one of the first things he noticed is that all of a sudden the Walgreens down the street, not only were they selling milk, they were selling canned goods now. And so you're seeing a yeah. lot of uh, places or, or getting into Kind of morph into Right, well, you know, yeah. uh, I think Dollar General's gonna start selling liquor now. So there you go, you've wow. got cheap items. And, and so what, what, what gas stations have done is they've like, marked a new territory and done something completely different. You know, um, for instance... You know, um, I was just thinking about uh, the convenience stores again, that a lot of them are family businesses, so you probably get that, uh, the issue you get in all family businesses where, you know, pass it on to the next generation, sometimes that's not that smooth. It's not, and you know, what you hear, or what, what chamber exec execs have told me is that they will hear, well, we've done it this way for years. It's the way daddy did it. Well, you know, you can't do it. Uh, give me an example, price matching. You know, I, I walked into a business one day and said, hey, do you match prices? We'll match anybody in town. I said, what about internet? Oh, no. Now, going back to my favorite place in Eunice, uh, this guy's wife, uh, Tanya, is a, is a fitness trainer. She's a professional trainer. Well, she sells supplements, and they're pretty expensive. But what she does, she sells them inside this gas station, but her prices match the online prices, Amazon, those places like that. So when her clients, students, she, she also trains at the university, they can come into this store, buy the supplement immediately, and they know they can price check on Amazon, it's the same price. Well, that's what you have to do to survive, Peter. And, and you can do it, you can up your volume, you know, if you're willing to take a little bit of hit on the price and, and, and lower your profit margin, but increase your volume, you can make it. A lot of them are scared to do that. Another thing is channel blurring. I wrote a whole story on channel blurring for a magazine. Well, tell us about this. Okay, yeah, channel blurring, uh, for those who don't know, it, it's, I'd never heard of it before, and when they, when they call me to do the story, I'm like on the uh, computer trying to figure I out what I didn't know the is. cronut until a few minutes ago, yeah. so come on. Okay, channel blurring is basically when a store that has uh, a normal or historical line of products all of a sudden introduces something else. One of my favorite examples, the place in Crowley. One day this guy ends up, he's a convenience store, okay? You know, chips and food and things like that. One day he ends up with a brand new saddle. And he's like, God, what am I gonna do? I don't have a horse. So he puts the saddle in the store on a sawhorse, ups, I mean, increases, uh, marks it up 100%, and in a week or so it's sold. He went, wow, I can sell saddles here. So huh. he starts ordering saddles from Texas, marking up 100%, and every couple of weeks sells a saddle. I mean, what a deal. <laughs> and that's, that's an example of channel blurring. And, and, and um, you know, for instance, the store in, in, in Eunice that has the supplements, uh, there's a place in Texas, um, <laughs> you can buy barbed wire in this store, you know? <laughs> hog rings, nails by the pound. It's, it's the, you know, there's a place in uh, Florida that is an auto repair shop and a C-store. One of my favorite places is there's a, there's a car dealership in Nebraska that has a convenience store inside as well. And so, you know, people, you, you always have to be different, Peter, but you gotta be willing to do it because I think people even younger than me, they don't wanna be different. They, they're thinking, well, if we're different, you know, our, our customers won't get it. But you know what? You know, the, the Walmart customer, the Amazon customer, those are the people that need gasoline. 
And those are the people that if you're downtown, you can get them too, but you have to be willing to do something a little bit outside the box and, and draw those people now, in. Now, Al, did you ever think about um, going into the con gas station consulting business? You must walk into a store and think, uh, layout-wise, uh, offering-wise, I could really improve this. Yeah, I do. I, and, you know, sometimes I do that. I mean, sometimes people say, I got a call from a, um, a guy with the National Association of Truck Stop Owners, Natso. He said, look, I'm coming down to Louisiana. Would you mind spending a day with me and visiting a couple of truck stops? And, I mean, this guy was very good. His name's Darren Schulte. I mean, smart guy. And I'm not sure I was able to improve anything he said. But, yeah, I will often go in. I'm, I'm, here's the one thing that I see, Peter, and, and, and this is uh, – if I go into a place and the people behind the counter don't make eye contact with me, the food's not going to be good. Now, that's not very scientific, but that has come to be true almost every time. I've never had it happen differently. I got a call one day to go to Beaumont, which is a couple, you know, a couple hours away. This great hamburger, great fries. So we go into this place, my videographer and I, and, the, and I'm, I'm talking to the lady behind the counter. I said, hey, I heard the, the food's really good here. I mean, she just like buried her head down and never looked up. And so we made our order, went and sat at the table because they were going to bring us the food. And I told my videographer, I said, you know, this is not going to be a good meal. This is, I don't think it's good. And sure enough, it wasn't. We all agreed it was mediocre. We had a couple of other people with us. And it was kind of mediocre. So I think when you go into a place and the people behind the counter have passion about the food, they have that passion because the food is good. And, and you're going you're gonna to reap the benefits flavor-wise from that. I almost can't wait to drive home now. It's yeah, going to take st forever. But stop everywhere, a... Peter. Stop <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> there is no shortage of colorful personalities in Acadiana. And there are a surprising number of people with unique ideas and businesses. But there are very few whose ideas are more unique or whose personality is more colorful than yours, Al. Uh, if we have learned nothing else in the last 30 minutes, we have definitely learned this life lesson. If you really want to do something, even if it sounds crazy or ridiculously ambitious, if you're determined, you can do it. Uh, along with everybody listening to this conversation, I am definitely going to check out Gas Station Gourmet online before I set off on the road. And from now on, I'm going to make a point of going into the gas station. Al, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Well, Peter, thank you. What a great idea for a show. <laughs> for a man that has great ideas, that's pretty great. My special guest on Out to Lunch today has been Al Bear, also known as the Gas Station Gourmet. You can find out even more about Al's adventures at gas stations by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. Today's show is recorded live over lunch at Social Southern Table and Bar in Lafayette. Social is open six days a week for lunch and dinner with brunch on Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researcher is Ann Christian. Our theme song, Encore Monsieur Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. Our Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, Zach Barker from The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escaday. If you want to know what we look like, and you're probably going to want a more 3D perspective of Al here, you can find photos of this show on our website and Facebook page. These photos were taken today by Gwen O'Quinn. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. You can even keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's acadiana.com and krvs.org. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook, Nicholas Saloon, Wyndham Garden Lafayette is pet and family friendly 
Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by Wyndham Garden Lafayette, and by Sheward & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas.